Good afternoon. I've been kind of fighting off some allergies, so if my voice isn't quite as strong, I apologize, but we'll get through it. Um, as we've been studying, we've been studying through the book of Galatians, and in the afternoons we've been doing a character study. Well, I'm going to continue the character study on Paul, but it's going to be out of a story that was found in Galatians chapter 2. So it's going to be kind of a, kind of filling both of them a little bit, because the story that I was asked to cover comes directly from Galatians chapter 2. So we're going to talk about Paul's ministry today a little bit, and we're going to talk about some of the challenges and some of the things that he faced in that ministry. If you look in Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 10. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before who seemed influential, the gospel that I had proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in a submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So Paul's talking about a meeting he was having here where he was talking with people, influential people that he, that men had claimed to be influential, about the ministry he was giving to the Gentiles. That way he, the things that he was doing wasn't going to be worthless. Because if we weren't all on the same page, it wasn't going to accomplish anything. So Paul's making sure he's on the same page here. Because he wants to make sure that everything he's doing is for a purpose. And he doesn't want it to be vain, the things that he's been doing. So he goes up to talk to these people about the gospel he's been preaching to the Gentiles. Well, why is that such a big deal? I mean, why is it a big deal he was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles? Well, what you've got to understand at this point, the Jewish people were used to being considered, we're, the only, we're only God's people. We're the only ones that are God's people. We're the special ones. No one else is God's people. So this could cause some problems. <laughs> if it wasn't handled properly, this could cause some major problems. And one of those problems, he kind of mentions here, but even Titus, who was a Greek, was not, they said they didn't force him to be circumcised, but there were certain among them that wanted to. But you know what Paul says they did? We didn't even yield submission to them even for a moment. We didn't give them the time of day on this because this didn't, did it matter. Whether you were circumcised or not, that doesn't matter anymore. It's not about the law anymore. Kyle brought up a lot about that this morning, and I believe Mike's going to touch on that a little bit in a later lesson. But it wasn't about the law anymore. And that's what Paul was trying to get across. He's like, we didn't pay any attention to that because that wasn't important anymore. That had already been fulfilled, as Kyle said this morning. We were living under the new law now. The circumcision wasn't important. And it's so that... To them, we did not yield submission for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. They wanted everything they taught to be in truth. They didn't want anything to be taught falsely. Continuing in Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 6, and it says, And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me 
for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So when we break this down a little bit, another thing that he brings up is, and it seemed those who were influential, he goes, that makes no difference to me if they seemed influential because God shows no partiality. That was a, today we, we have no problem saying that. God shows no partiality. That's something that is just accepted. Back then, the Jews thought they wanted to be special. <laughs> Not only were the Jews chosen people, there were special ranks you could achieve in the Jewish community. You could be a high priest. You could be a priest. You could be a Levite. There were certain things that you were considered to do, and there were certain things that you were only, only you were considered to be able to do. You know, the Levites were the only ones who were allowed to carry the Ark of the Covenant. But now, now Paul's saying, it don't matter who you are. God shows no partiality. It, it, you could be a, the best Jew in the world, or you could be the worst Gentile in the world. It doesn't matter. There is no partiality with God. That was a radical concept at the time, that God showed no partiality, because you had been talking with people who from the time of Abraham had been told that they were so special, that they were God's chosen people. They were the ones that God that God wanted. And now you're telling them, there's no difference between you and that Gentile that serves six different gods. That was a radical concept. And it could have caused major problems. And it, it probably did. There were probably many people that didn't meet with the, meet with the Christians because of this. Because I cannot accept the fact that you're now telling me I'm no better than that Gentile, which I've been taught I've been better with than all my life. Well, when you get down to it, what does a Gentile really mean? And all that means is somebody that's not of the Jewish bloodline. So unless you are of the Jewish bloodline today, you would be considered a Gentile. That there wasn't a race of people. It wasn't somebody from a certain country. It was just somebody that wasn't con- considered to have Jewish blood. So the Jews were the only race. Everybody else was considered a Gentile. So the Jews thought they were better than everyone because they had God. And nobody else had access to God until Jesus. And when they heard that... A lot of them didn't like it. And some of them might would accept it, but then they're like, okay, but you still got to be circumcised or you still got to observe the Sabbath, like Kyle was talking about this morning. And that wasn't going to fly either. As you can see, Paul said, we didn't even spend a minute talking to these people about that because at that point it doesn't matter anymore. He said they had nothing to do, on the contrary, when they, when they found out that he had been entrusted with this, they were all for it. But you know what's amazing to me? He names off James, Cephas, and John. So when the guys that were considered to be pillars were okay with it, everybody else kind of fell in line. So the one thing Paul's trying to preach against here, there's no partiality here. But once the guys that were considered to be influential fell in line, everybody else kind of fell in line behind them. Which is kind of interesting when you think about it. So why is this a big deal? Why was this a big deal? Because you're taking two groups of people and you're trying to put them together in one group. And there can be issues with that regardless of how far apart they are. But these guys were on totally opposite ends of the spectrum. One of them had been taught from their childhood that they were the only ones God cared about. And the other ones, a lot of them were polytheistic, worship many gods. I looked up how many Roman gods there were and they said there was upward of 150 and they had gods for everything. God of war, God of love, God of rain, God of thunder. 
And they were all of a sudden telling these Jews that believed in the only living God that now you've got to accept these men that you've been considered sinners, unclean, not on your level, and you have to accept them now as brothers. That'd be a hard pill to swallow. That wouldn't be easy to do. And then you have the Gentiles over here looking at the Jews saying they think they're better than us. They think they know everything. They think they're so arrogant. And yet you're trying to get these two groups together. Now tell me that ain't a boiling pot for issues. (laughs) You know, I hate drama. That's a boiling pot for drama right there. (laughs) I do not deal well with drama. I'd rather just find a solution and move on. But this is a boiling pot for it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at some of Paul's actual ministry through Acts, where a lot of this takes place. Um, And we're going to find some things that we can learn from this and some things that maybe helped ease that transition. In Acts 13, verses 46 and 47, It says, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So what's happening here is Paul and Barnabas are preaching to the Jews, and they're rejecting it. They don't want to have anything to do with this gospel. And since they rejected it, Paul says, you, you found, you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. I'm going to the Gentiles. Fine. I'll just go teach the Gentiles. But what I want you to understand here is this just wasn't Paul's idea. This wasn't some idea Paul came up with just because the Jews weren't listening to him. Okay. You offended me. You're not listening to me. I'm going to go teach somebody else. That wasn't, this wasn't just some idea Paul came up with. He said, for the Lord has commanded us. This was a command from God. It wasn't just something that Paul said, well, you really want, you really want to cause me trouble? I'll cause you even more trouble. We'll just combine all of y'all. That wasn't what Paul's thinking was here at all. God commanded him to do this. God wanted everybody to have access to that salvation, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. It was now for everybody. And that was a decision the Lord made. That wasn't a decision Paul made. Paul didn't wake up one day and go, you know what? These Jews really aren't listening to me, so I'm just going to go talk to the Gentiles. Maybe they'll hear me. That wasn't how it happened. The Lord commanded him to do this. Well, how, how do you think the Gentiles and Jews react whenever they heard Paul and Barnabas say this? You know, that's pretty bold to say. You're not listening. I'm going to go somewhere else then. In verse 48, and the Gentiles heard this and began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. So the Gentiles enjoyed this. They're like, we have access to God now. We, we've never had this before. They were all happy. They were rejoicing. They were having a party, you might would say. We have access to God now. But in the very next verse, we find out how the Jews react to this. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So the Jews goes, we can't have you teaching this gospel here. Get out of here. We're going to persecute you to the point that you have to leave. And that's what they did. Two totally different reactions. 
whenever he tried to teach the Jews, they didn't want to hear anything about it. Then when he started teaching the Gentiles, they were happy, and that made the Jews unhappy. So then the Jews said, we have to run them out of here. So you're telling me now that trying to put these two people together wasn't going to be an issue? <laughs> Woo. I don't know if I'd have the patience for this. In Acts 28, and after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner of Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. So what's happened here is Paul's been arrested. And he's been taken before the Romans, and the Romans want to let him go because they can't find any reason to uh, kill him or have fault with him. So they want to let him go. They want to set him at liberty. But the Jews didn't want that so fast. Not so fast. Because he was preaching this gospel. And so because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. So because you were objecting so much, I had to appeal to Caesar to get a ruling from Caesar. Though I had no charge to bring against my nation. He goes, I had no, I don't even know what the charge is. I mean, come on. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel I am wearing these, this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you. What your views are with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere is spoken against. It is spoken against. So like, okay, we'll come here. We haven't heard anything about this, but we'll come here. What you have to say about this sect, this Christianity that we've heard all about. We'll come and hear what you have to say about it. So they do. And when the appointed day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. For the morning to the evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And the disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying about your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. So what he's doing now, he's trying to get them to believe about Jesus. And he's using the prophets and the law and the, he's just trying to get them. And some of them believed, but some of them didn't. Now, these are the, Jew, the Jewish leaders of the time that he's trying to convince. I know this isn't talking about the Gentiles. We'll get to how this wraps into that in just a second. But they all decided to leave after he said one thing. and It was a quote from Isaiah. What could you imagine that quote would be? If I, if I said one quote and it made everybody get out of here and leave, you'd think that would have to be a humdinger. And it was. It was something they didn't want to hear. He says, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but you never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears can, they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, I would heal them. Now, is he talking about somebody that actually physically can't see and physically can't hear? I don't believe that's what he's talking about here. What he's saying is somebody that has willingly turned a deaf ear and a blind eye to what God wants them to do. Do we ever get that way? No, I got that way with my parents a lot. I know what you're saying, but I really don't want to hear it right now. Dad, I really don't want to hear that right now. That's not something I want to hear. That's not something I want to see. I know you're trying to show me the right way, but it's not something I really want to see right now. 
I want to go my own way and figure it out on my own and then mess everything up and come back to you and say, uh, yeah, you're right. But that's what we do sometimes. We turn a deaf ear and a blind eye and wonder why our lives turn out the way they do. That's what the Jews were doing here. And then he compares them to the Gentiles, which really had to throw them for a loop here because he said this, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles because they will listen. <laughs> You're not listening, but they will. He lived there for two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So what does that tell me? The gospel's for everyone. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for the Gentiles. It's for everyone. You know what he did? He says, I go to the Gentiles because they'll listen. But he didn't reject the Jews when they came to talk about it. It says that he lived there two whole years from the kingdom of God to anyone that would, could come to him. He welcomed anybody that would come talk to him about it. Are, they, are we that way? You know, the Jews were going, ah, those Gentiles don't belong. The Gentiles were going over here, oh, these Jews don't necessarily belong. Do we do that? I've heard that from our brethren in congregations. That's not the kind of person we want. That's not the kind of person we need right now. Really? And they say it with a straight face. Really? So the gospel is not for them, but it's just for us? <laughs> then we're doing no better than the Jews and Gentiles were at this point, fighting over who it was for. But you know what Paul was trying to get across in all of this? It's one simple concept that they just could not wrap their head around. One very simple concept. Colossians 3.11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. There's no difference. We're all the same. We're all people and we all have issues. We're all people and we're not perfect. You know, there's a very similar uh, scripture to this in Galatians, but I'm sure somebody's going to cover as we get into Galatians 3. We're all the same. There is no difference. You know, earlier in the verses that we read in Galatians 2, he was talking about how the Jews were trying to make uh, the Gentiles come back into slavery with the circumcision. Do you know anything about how slavery worked in the Roman Empire? A lot of times it was from conquered lands, and yes, that happened. But let's say I borrowed a lot of money from Kent, and I used that money, and then Kent came to claim that, and I didn't have that money anymore. And I couldn't pay him. So what I could do, I could say, Kent, I can come work for you until I pay that debt off. And I was basically his slave until that debt was paid. And the way that usually worked was I would go live at Kent's house. Kent would feed me. He'd take care of me, take care of my medical expenses. But Kent would also take that out of the wages he paid me. So you never got out from underneath that debt. And he was comparing that to the old law that the Jews were trying to get the Gentiles to live under because the sin just kept rolling forward. You never got out from underneath it. It just kept rolling forward every year, but it was always there. And he was trying to teach them a more perfect way where we're all the same. And the sin is gone. It's forgiven. It's not remembered anymore. Don't you think that'd be a message a lot of people would be willing to hear? But they were so concerned about, well, I'm a Jew. I'm a good Jew. I can't be associated with these Gentiles unless they follow parts of the law. 
or I'm a Gentile, these Jews look down on me. I can't meet with somebody that's going to be looking down on me like that. That was some of the problems the early church was going through. We think we have the corner marketed on church problems when we don't. This was some legitimate church problems. Well, what can we learn from this study? As Kyle mentioned this morning, there's only one gospel. There's only one. But that gospel is for everybody. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what part of the globe you're from. It doesn't matter your financial situation. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can forgive anything. He can forgive a murderer or a rapist. He can forgive anything. There's only one unforgivable sin. And to be honest with you, I've never seen it done. I've never seen blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I've never seen it. Now, maybe somebody has. I don't know, but I have not seen that done. But unless that's the one you've committed, everything else can be forgiven. So the gospel is for everyone. Number two, you're not better than anybody else. Our problems may be different. Well, I have my problems under control. Really? It's, so you are you got all your problems under control. No, we don't. We might like to think we do, but we don't. We're no better than anyone else. Just because our sin might be a little look a little bit different doesn't mean we're better than anyone else. Well, just because my sin isn't considered as bad as yours. Because my sin's more socially acceptable, it's okay. No, it's not. We're no better than anyone else. <coughs> and the last thing is, you don't want to ever be in this situation right here. This verse I read, don't ever turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to God. You know, God has given us his word. But so many times I go, sometimes I go to his word looking for the answer I want. When it's not what I want, I go, well, I'll just do what I want to do anyway. <laughs> that's not what I wanted to hear. Is that the way we should really be doing it? Because if not, if that's the way we do it, we're doing exactly what the Jewish people were doing here. I'm being blind to God's word and being deaf to his word. And that's not how we should be. We should be like the Gentiles because they'll listen to us, to me. They'll do what I tell them to do. But you're not. Don't ever willingly turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to God. Because it will not work out for you in the end. Those three things are three things. There's probably more things you could learn from that. But those are the three things that I really got out of that. The gospel's for everyone. We're no better than anybody else. And don't ever turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to God. If we can help you with any of those things, won't you come as we stand and sing?